On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. Today, we are talking about Danish-born, Norwegian film director, Joachim Trier. When Joachim was growing up, he was surrounded by film-loving people. And because of that, he obviously grew up loving movies. He admired Stanley Kubrick, Michelangelo Antonioni, Ingmar Bergman, but also loved and admired Dario Argento, Brian De Palma, and Tony Scott. All filmmakers, in his words, who've done interesting human stories, but with different types of images. For his fourth film, he decided he wanted to take a new take on body horror, focusing on a protagonist whose, quote, true will and her real wishes, unquote, start manifesting themselves in the world. To ground his work, he and his team started researching psychogenic epilepsy. Even though this fourth film didn't initially start off as a queer love story, it was actually a doctor who started questioning why the protagonist would have psychogenic epilepsy and then made the comment that a lot of patients with it were young women who came from religious backgrounds and had a difficult time coming out. With that, and with the theme of empowerment in his head, the story for his 2017 film, Selma, was born. So, be careful what you may accidentally manifest into reality and make sure there's someone else in that swimming pool with you. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello! I'm Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. GGP. Yes. Continuing with um, another pride-filled episode of uh, Grindhouse Girls with Thelma. Thelma. Or Thelma. Yeah. And, of course, this is streaming for free on Tubi. So it is free to watch on the Tubi app. So go watch it and then come back and listen yeah. to us. Our friends Clay Zombies is also on Tubi. So yeah. You can do a double feature. Oh yeah, this Ooh. one's this one's kind of serious. So clay zombies maybe is something a little it's bit more a good palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice little one. How are you doing, Britt? I'm okay, Katie. It's uh, it's June. It's hot. It's pretty fucking miserable, but it's not too bad of a month. How about you? It's okay. I had jury duty for the first time ever this week. It was, uh, it was something I always wanted to be called for because I do love court. But it was not fun. Mm. Uh, and there was a Karen in my jury group who decided I was her problem. So the deliberation room was much more stressful than it even needed to be. But uh, it's, we deliberated. We actually acquitted the person because the state didn't do their job. So, you know, it was rough. But, like, just emotionally draining. Yeah, I bet. You know? I, I don't know if I could, like, handle that. That's the thing is I think about that. It sounds very emotionally draining, so. Well, the good news is it is very unlikely 
even if you get chosen that you'll have to deliberate. We had like almost 200 people like called all at once. And then when we all got there, they said, well, two of the five cases that we were supposed to hear aren't are already settled. So we really only need a group of people, 36 people for a grand jury, which is just like figuring out if someone should be indicted and then two regular court cases. So that's just like 13 people. So you have 12 jurors and then an alternate in case somebody can't stay. So it's very unlikely. I can't believe I made it through. And I was like the only like I'm not even I don't feel like I'm that young. I guess I'm a millennial. I'm a young I guess we're younger millennials. Yeah, I think that is correct. Uh, but like everyone else in my pool was 20 to 25 years older than me and all had like teenagers. Oh, wow. Like, so uh, the reason the Karen picked me, I think, was because she thought I was just a stupid millennial and she just decided to that I was her problem. And then she did apologize to me afterwards. But I was like, OK, fun times. So that was weird. Usually you get a more varied age group, but I was very surprised I made it in when they were very obviously picking people of a very certain age and demographic. And I was like, not the jury pool. That's random. But I will say you can tell what the what the lawyers are thinking by who they keep and who they let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that makes a lot of sense, too, actually, now that you said that. Yeah, because they get to it's really the lawyers who get to pick people off after you're randomly selected. So but I guess they just liked us. I don't know. Or they didn't they like they didn't hate us enough to get rid of us. It's I don't know. The lawyers were actually both very nice. It was just it was I won't go into what the case was because it's very complicated, but it was one of those things where like the thing happened, but the reasoning for it happened couldn't be disproved by the state and they didn't do their job. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, yeah, and it, it's I think it's a good thing that we acquitted that person because I do think the person who was the quote unquote victim honestly didn't really seem that upset about it either it wasn't them suing it was it was a criminal case so it wasn't them suing it was the state suing so they didn't really seem to be all that bothered honestly so I think it was actually okay um but anyways that's what I was doing so it was emotionally exhausting but other than that just uh having uh it's it's the month of everybody has a birthday in my life including Brett which will be next week, which is why we'll be taking next week off. Yeah. I look out because mine is next to Christmas, so we automatically usually take it off anyways. Yeah, I was about to say, the funny thing about uh, turning 34 uh, is like, I'm like, oh, my birthday is on a Tuesday. I could actually hit up like a, a, a movie and get that low ticket price on a Tuesday. Ooh. What? Because yeah. usually we work Tuesday like till like four or five and then Tuesday evenings we're recording. But I'm like, what the hell? You like, go, go see, see a movie on your birthday. Yeah. What guys, what, what movie do you think I should see? I I was thinking about either Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Across the Spider-Verse, or yeah, Across the Spider-Verse again, or Elemental, but Elemental's not getting a lot of good early reviews. I literally just heard about Elemental like today. I really want to see Elemental mainly for the Carl's First Date short because everyone knows I love Up. It's like one oh, of my favorites. okay. Well... I'll just wait for it to come on DVD. Let's oh, I know. It's like, do I want to pay the price of the admission just to see that short? <laughs> Say DVD, but I really mean Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> Disney Plus. So. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but I guess we should get 
back down to Thelma. business for Thelma or Thelma. Uh, it's a Nor- Danish Norwegian film, Norwegian yeah, Swedish is. film. I think it's technically I think it's technically Norwegian because I think the university is in Oslo. Oslo, am I Oslo. pronouncing Oslo. Oslo? Thank you. Thank you. I think it's Oslo, like O Z L O, but not. It's actually spelled O S L O. Yeah, that's but, what I'm like. I'm not. I'm not as up to date on my Norwegian pronunciation. So yes, I'm gonna be honest. Norway, Sweden, and basically all the little finger lake finger countries. Little they all finger? the little fingers. Yeah, they all. I'm not sure where each one is. I'm so sorry, because also like a lot of people, uh, move. From one to the other pretty easily because Europe is one of those places where like you can easily move from country to country and it's not like it's a really quick trip. So there's a lot of crossover. And it was actually released at the Norwegian International Film Festival in August of 2017 where it won the Norwegian Critics Prize. And it was also at the Toronto Film Festival that year. That was its international premiere. And then it was also nominated for the GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Film Limited Release. I was about to say, I do know it was Norway's submission for, at the time, mm-hmm. it was Best Foreign Film. Now we the know The 90th Academy Award. Mm-hmm. We now know it as the Best International Film, but still when it was called the Foreign Film, they submitted it, but it was not picked, so. Very much like Tatan, it was apparently too much for the Academy Awards. But you know what? The Academy did love the worst person in the world. They did. So yeah. we've talked about that movie on sidetracks, so we saw that, or no. The Oscars episode two Oscars ago because mm-hmm. um, we got to go see it at Sidewalk um, Cinema in Birmingham uh, before the Oscars mm-hmm. and it was so good I cried a lot yeah I think you did you cry I know I, I, I got cried a I lot. got teary but like Katie had a very visceral experience because I she really was like did. she was crying so hard I could hear her cry and so like <laughs> I'm always that person. I was like, do I pat her back gently or do I just let her have a moment? I don't really know. So I just kind of kept my hands in my lap. But I was doing my nervous finger thing, which is like I do this where I'm like, I don't know what to do. So. Usually if it's a movie, I'm like, I can solo cry. But if it's like a real life thing, I want the comfort. Yeah. But it was there's a breakup in that movie that literally... Uh, like I have been in a breakup where the exact same words were used and it had not had it probably been like six months since that breakup happened. So it was pretty fresh. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm not even that upset about the breakup anymore. But the fact that the same thing is happening in front of my eyes with other people is like, I don't it just triggered me and the tears just started flowing and they wouldn't stop. But I also laughed a lot during that movie. There's a really funny tampon joke. Oh yeah. In that movie. And if you haven't seen The Worst Person in the World, it was on Hulu for a long time. Um so see if you can find that one as well. That was the only film by him I've already seen, but that was actually made after yeah, Thelma. It was. And that's something I really between this film and Thelma, what I really like about his directing and writing style is that his movies aren't predictable. Like no. you don't really know where they're going to go and I think that is like the beauty of his films. Now, I did want to mention because he has a collaborator, uh, Eskel Volt, who has co-written and worked with him on multiple films. Um, that includes Reprise, also August 31st, which I think was his first big movie, Louder Than Bombs, which as Katie pointed out before we started this episode, is only American feature film, and of course, The Worst Person in the World. 
but Eskel also wrote and directed The Innocence, which I've heard of The Innocence, which I've yes. heard about, but I've never seen before. It is on Shudder. I want to say it's definitely one of my channels through Prime Video, but I do believe it's Shudder, and it is on my list to watch. It's about little children, little Norwegian children, who um, have dark powers that they start using during, like, the daytime Ooh. away from the grown-ups. And I love the fact that, like, most of the children I've seen in the in the trailer, they're all, like, very blonde Aryans. So I was like, oh, yes, the evil little blonde children. It's, like, my favorite trope. Yeah. Ooh, kind of like Village of the Damned. Just like, yeah, like Village of the Damned or Midsommar. Oh, yeah. It's also a lot of, like, white supremacy is very scary kind of vibes. Although I don't know if that's where this movie goes, but whenever there's a bunch of, like, very Aryan looking people, especially children. I get the heebie jeebies. That being someone who has like very like blonde, pale people yes. genetics, but still Katie's they're terrifying blonde. in yeah. a group setting. Um, I did think this movie was incredibly timely and I didn't even realize it when we were picking it because you had brought it up and I had seen a couple recommendations to watch it, but I didn't know the whole backstory of it mm-hmm. and the fact that it's. A, a young woman who's been sheltered by her ultra-conservative, ultra-religious parents. And when she branches out in the world and starts really, like, discovering herself, she realizes she's got these other powers going on triggered by a repressed emotion. It's very interesting. And I'm like, especially, like, we're talking about Illinois finally outlaw- outlawed book bannings completely. Mm-hmm. And there's all this, like, and the Shiny Happy People documentary about the Duggars and IBLP and all the ultra-conservative control groups and stuff. And, like, I was like, this is a very interesting, like, good timing, which I didn't even realize. Yeah. That was as big of a part of it as it was. I knew that, like, it was about her being repressed. I didn't know that it was a religious aspect of it. Yeah. And that's where, I know we touched upon in the intro, but... I was reading this really great interview with uh, Yo Kim, and if I wrote down where it was from, I'm so sorry, guys. I think it may have was been... Was it the Collider one? I think it may have been the Collider. I read a Collider interview and one called Vague Visions. Vis- I am struggling with this damn word. <laughs> oh. uh, visages. Visages. So Vague Visages also had a really good interview. But yeah, that's where they really... Uh, so in the original story of this movie, it was actually... Thelma had a gay brother mm-hmm. and it was like her brother and her dad kind of had this like uh collision mm-hmm. very similar I guess to how Thelma and her dad has different yes. parts of this movie and then when they were studying the epilepsy things that's what the doctors were just like well why the would non-epilepsy. she non-epilepsy yeah sorry non-epilepsy that's what it's, I meant it's oh I psychogenic down. psychogenic yeah. non-epileptic seizures which and it was collider because that's where I had okay too. yeah um by Haley Fouch did okay. the interview um out of p trier states out of pnes the psychogenic non-epileptic seizure group that he's been treating the doctor that was treating several of them were actually young women who were lesbian and had a difficult time coming out and that caused this tremendous stress that their lives in their lives that caused these cramps they had like cramps too yeah that's crazy crazy. yeah but they you know i guess so much of our mental health is connected to our physical health and mental health can affect physical health in so many ways it can't and it is so basically non-psychic i mean non-epileptic psychogenic non-epileptic seizures are seizures that look like epileptic seizures but they have nothing to do with your brain activity but it's caused by stress and 
usually repressed emotions causing stress, which is just, again, fascinating. And so is it Ili Harbole who plays Selma? Is that how you pronounce her name? You know? It's E-I-L-I. And I meant to actually listen to an interview. I think it's probably like Ellie. Ellie? Okay. So it wasn't in Let the Right One In. Yeah, it was Ellie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think, and if not, please forgive us for mispronouncing your name. But, so sorry. We don't speak Norwegian. But um, I thought that was something very, I mean, her acting is very impressive. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and get that out of the way. Like, she is great in this film. But the seizures look so real. They look, they, they, I almost went to call my mom and make her watch it just to watch seizure things. Because I love when my mom, the nurse, <laughs> just watches like a really bad seizure on television. She's like, that's yeah she's like that's that's just silly that's just insulting but she did it she did a really good job seizures are terrifying they really really are they're absolutely terrifying i have a my uh baby she's she's like graduate just graduated high school but my cousin's daughter has a, a really serious seizure disorder where she basically had to be put like her brain swelled when she was um three and she yeah. had like some kind of meningitis but then an another infection that it was like a one in a million chance this could ever happen to anybody and so basically like she was she could wouldn't stop seizing so they had to put her in a medically induced coma she was in it for weeks we thought she was gonna die she did not but to function they had to remove part of her brain and then she's been on anti-seizure medication forever and then every time like her body goes through any kind of changes like when she was a teenager and going through you know teenager changes it would trigger more stuff going on. Yeah. And so they would get to a point where, like, it was under control and then something would happen. Just growing up would happen and then it would trigger something else because, like, the her brain chemistry affects how um, the neurons function and how the electricity in your brain works, basically. So it's terrifying. She finally graduated high school, like, a few years late, but, like, she did it. But she had to relearn to walk and talk oh, and all this thing. stuff. So, like, it's it's terrifying to have them and it's terrifying to get treatment for them because they do suppress a lot of your emotions. So it makes sense that if she has been suppressing stuff for such a long time and she's finally letting herself go and like feel feelings, this character, that that would make sense that that's how your body might react. And it does also mention too in this movie in the beginning that her seizures, she had them when she was a child but they stopped after she became a christian so she found christianity very young at a very young age and i thought that was when we get into kind of spoiler alerts i do have some well she didn't really have a seizure as a kid yeah her parents like we'll see with a lot of like overly here's the thing i i grew up in a pretty religious household very catholic but also like my parents are pretty progressive yeah and gave me choices like it they my mom might just pray a rosary if you can't go to sleep, but my mom wasn't Terry's mom shutting me in a closet and telling me to pray 10 Hail Marys. You know, it's 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 a very different upbringing. Uh, this is a oppressive religious upbringing, I would call it. Yeah. And see, on the opposite end, of, not opposite end of the spectrum, but something my parents, my dad was raised Pentecostal and there's a lot of religious trauma, not saying for all Pentecostals, but for my father, there was. And so we were raised for religion, but we weren't raised with, like, very strict religion. We right. didn't go to church, like, every Sunday or anything like that. So I I feel like I have a, I feel like more than a lot of people our age, I have a very good 
place with religion. Like it, it's comfortable within my life. Yeah, there's a lot of religious trauma that even even I have religious trauma that my parents did not put up on me. Just some religious aspects, especially very conservative religious aspects, especially around sex and sexuality and gender norms are very repressive and there's stuff I've had to undo with like therapy and stuff of just like how I was taught to think about myself that is a very negative way like slut shaming yourself even Mm -hmm. though you're not a slut and it doesn't even matter if you are a slut like being a slut isn't necessarily a bad thing if there's consent and you're respecting yourself and others yeah but you know the fact that thinking Oh, if I go past this base, I'm a slut. I'm ruined. Mm. Like there is that like kind of born into the purity culture thing. And if you watch the Shiny Happy People documentary or really like Fundy Fridays is one of my favorite YouTube channels. She goes into a lot of different. um, There's a lot of people that cover these channels that tell women that they're only worth anything if they're virgins and, and heterosexual virgins. And only if you marry a man and only a high value man if you're doing the alpha and the alpha male TikTok people do it, too. Yeah. And it's like this. Fun, and it's not just Christianity. There's a lot of fundamental religions have the same stuff that they make you repress any kind of homosexual thoughts, any kind of sexual thoughts at all, or any kind of like women are equal to men thoughts. Like it's very patriarchal and very misogynistic. It can be not religion, but I'm just saying there's a lot of. Uh, culty religions out there. Yeah. And it's any religion can become a cult. That's true, too. It just depends how it's used. If it's a positive aspect in your life, that's great. But this movie explores kind of the negative aspect of that. But it's not like a, it is a part of it, but they're not like, you know, pounding you over the head with it. Yeah, I would say. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm trying to like think about what I say because I don't want to get into spoiler territory. But yeah, I will say... <laughs> He did a very smart thing with the writing and that they're not her parents aren't complete villains. Like, no. Yeah. They think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And many parents who parent this way and who are part of these ultra conservative religious movements think that they're protecting their children. But over sheltering a child is almost as bad as throwing them to the wolves and not teaching them anything about life because you are still keeping them from learning about life. But you, because you can't keep them safe forever. You're not preparing them. And that's kind of how this movie explores because basically she goes off to college and, you know, every kid experiments socially in college. But like she feels so guilty about like just having a glass of wine with her friends. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's normal. You know, there's instances where drinking is not cool. Like if, if you are an alcoholic and you don't know it, like, you wouldn't know until you try it. But, like, the baby don't drink wine. But generally speaking, having a glass of wine, usually pretty safe. I would agree with that, too. Yeah. And it's a safe way to experiment and kind of be more social as a young person, especially in college. Yeah. And I and I think there is, like, a smartness to the script, too, and how... It's you perceive it like the film is like, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the word I'm looking for. What am I trying to say? So there's there's definitely layers to the writing in this where you think like, oh, her parents are very protective of her because they're very conservative. But then you got the switch and beta. What really is going on, too? Yeah, there's a trickery there, which we won't get in spoilers. But Mm -hmm. I did like that aspect. And I will say, although this movie is a bit of a slow burn, 
I was so intrigued with what was actually going on. It was very obvious that there was something more to the story. And I was like, wait, but did, what? why? Why is this happening? And then when you get to it, it's very satisfying. Yeah. And I think part of what that is, is that even though it's a slow burn, the actors are so good. And especially Ellie as Thelma. Yeah. She has like almost like, and I, I'm not the first person to say this, but she has almost like an Isabel Hooper quality to her because she yeah. has a lot of great facial acting. Yeah. Um, and she's very like innocent looking. She looks like freaking Joan of Arc. Like yeah. she just looks like this perfect little angelic child. Like face. natural beauty. Yeah. And then we've got Kaya Wilkins as Anya, um, who's her friend, her very close friend. Which again, I won't get into spoilers, but obviously this is queer horror, so well, they they her feelings for for um, Anya is what sparks her anti repression, mm-hmm. her immersion, or not, or not immersion, her entrance. I don't know exposure, her exposure and exploration of different feelings than she's ever had before. Oh yeah, so we also have Henry Raffleson as Trond. I love that. That is a very Norwegian name, Trond. Yeah. Um, as Thelma's father and Umi, Uni's husband, which is her mom, um, who's a doctor. And he also was in Happy, Happy, the Almost Man and Couple 16. He's interesting. I did mean to say that uh, the actress who plays Anya is primarily a singer. Yeah, I saw that too. And she has been in a movie called Exit Plan, but everything else on her imdb is like a music video for her music so that was pretty cool i thought her so her like musician name is okay kala or kaila kaya so kaya? yeah okay kaya, kaya yeah i think it's kaya yeah i could be wrong again i don't speak norwegian but in america that's how i would pronounce it is kaya but who knows um but we also have ellen dorit peterson as uni who's also married to jacob Ira, who's the cinematographer of this movie Who's also who also did it for Louder Than Words, Thalman, Oslo, but was also a cinematographer for the Chernobyl series. Oh, that's awesome. So they're actually married in real life. Chernobyl is like the best limited series I've ever seen. I'll never watch again. It is brilliant. And uh, yeah, but she, uh, Ellen Dorit Peterson, has a pretty prominent Norwegian actress, it looks like. Uh, or I should say, was it like, what is like the term for like Norway, Sweden? Scandinavia. Oh, oh my God! Because I was reading. Is it Nordic? Nordic. I think it's Nordic countries, right? Like Viking right. countries. She seems like a pretty prominent Nordic actress, but she's in The Innocence. Shelley, which sounds interesting, it's like a couple is trying to adopt a baby from a Romanian woman, and she comes and lives with them, and then all things go wrong. So it's another horror movie. Blind and Iskis. Iskis. I don't, I-S-K-Y-S-S, I don't know what that means in Norwegian or Sweden, Swedish, but I thought that was a cool word. She's good, too. She's, she's like, her mom's wheelchair bound in the film, and so she seems pretty frail, but then, like, it kind of switches up at the end. Yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah. But, I don't know, I, I do like this movie. There's enough humor in it. I think, too, I think I like that about his movies is even when they're dealing with serious subjects, like there's a whole plot subplot in The Worst Person in the World where a major character gets diagnosed with terminal cancer and it's just them hanging out while they're dying. But it actually is very sweet and funny. 
in a lot of places. And like I, I left feeling happy. And that's like one of the last plot points. I think it's like it's so bittersweet the way it's handled. Yeah, but he handles it very, he handles emotions very well. And he has a really good balance to his films, at least the two that I've seen, that it's like there's some humor, there's some serious subject matter, but it's very well balanced. And this one's got some like, there is horror to it and there is body horror, but it is, he never really did horror before. So it's really him kind of trying to figure it out. And he said it was a lot of trial and error yeah. about this movie. But I honestly, I think he did a really good job. I would like to see him do some more like suspense and horror because I think the suspense really stays with you in the whole movie. And I think there is some stuff that's genuinely scary because we'll get into this more. But there's some stuff that's very science fiction-y. And sometimes I don't find science fiction stuff scary. The only exception I've had to that really is probably in recent years Annihilation. I yeah, Annihilation scared the shit out of me it too. Deeply disturbed me. Yeah. That freaking bear. The bear man, yeah. Well the, the the part the lighthouse scene. Oh yeah. I don't know that really got the me. The soundtrack like still that. freaks me out. Yeah, whenever I hear that uh, music I'm like, Ugh. Uh, yeah. Speaking of music, before we move on, the music was done by Ola Flotum. Flotum? I don't there's the O with the slash in it, so I I I can read German, but I cannot read. I don't know what the Norwegian extra letters mean. I know what umlauts do. I don't know what it does. Um, who also has did all of the music for pretty much all of the Joachim's movies up until this point. Weirdly, not the worst person in the world though. Yeah, it's really interesting, but he seems to always work with the creative, the same creative team, which I always love with a director. Because mm-hmm. you see that a lot with um, actors and producers, but when you keep the same editor, cinematographer, I always think that's a pretty cool thing, too. Yeah, and it also helps um, that he has, like, he stays thematically kind of very similar. This movie's very look similar. Also, weirdly, one of the, like, trivia notes, him was like a lot of his films feature main characters with anxiety or depression um which i think is a very real thing and a very uh easy to recognize and a really relatable thing which i think helps um but yeah i guess do we want to move on to the The rundown rundown? yeah i actually wrote a rundown because i guess technically it was my pick so yeah so i'm ready for the rundown you're ready katie's ready for the rundown i'm ready so, once again, we are talking about Joachim Trier's Thelma, streaming on Tubi. It's a 2017 film. And here's the rundown. Young Thelma, a conservative Christian, leaves her isolated home and overbearing parents for the first time to attend university. While there, a friendship blossoms with a female classmate that soon turns into the possibility of a first love, which conflicts Thelma. That coupled with increasingly horrifying seizures, along with repressed memories coming to the surface, will force Thelma to finally face who she always has been. Will Thelma be able to accept these revelations and come out healed, or will she be forever crippled by the truth? Let's talk about it. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So Thelma starts out, not to get too much on the plot, but immediately I don't like the dad because he almost shoots her as like a six-year-old. Yeah, and that's like that's a gr- that's a great cold opening too, because it's like everything's icy and beautiful. 
there's this fish under the water swimming and she's like, oh, look at that. Look at the fish alive under the water. And you're like, oh, which is actually foreshadowing for yeah. later. And these, and then it goes straight ahead to like, he doesn't shoot her. And then it's like Thelma. And then she is there in college and she meets Anya. And like immediately, as soon as she even starts to have any interest in talking to Anya, starts having a seizure. Yeah. And she's like, I've never had a seizure before. And she goes to the doctor. And they're like, okay, well, we'll need to do some tests. And they're like, can we tell your parents? She's like, no. And you get the feeling that her parents are very controlling because they, if they don't hear from her every day, they get upset. Which, I mean, yeah, going away to college, I did check in with my parents probably on a daily basis. Although my sister was at the same college I was at. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a little less important, I guess, because there was someone they could check in who could check on, in on me if, like, they didn't hear from me. But it wasn't like I felt like I was in trouble if I didn't check in with them. You know, it was more of my dad would just like text me like, good morning, have a great day. And then I'd be like, thanks. And so they'd be like, OK, she's alive. Cool. Yeah. It wasn't like a call me every day. Yeah. And they yeah. know like her schedule by heart. And like Ooh. they they ask her what she's cooking for dinner every night. They're like, oh, what did you make for dinner? And so you're like, oh, maybe they're like overly invested. Like it's their only child. But then it's like no there must be more something sinister but it reminds me when i used to work for like the it department at um our college and there would be these parents that would call and try to get their children's grades but their children's were legal adults and i'd be like i'm sorry i can't release that information because it's private and they have to give you permission if they want you to see them they can give you their password and you can sign it and he said i'm paying for the college I was like okay but they didn't give you permission they can sign a form but they haven't signed a form, so I legally can't. Is those kind of parents. Like, yeah. lady, get over it. Or stop paying for their college if you think they're failing. Well, that's, that's that's my quick instruction there. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, we're trying a new mic thing out, so if it sounds like we're swinging, it's because the mic swung and not just one. Sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, her parents are controlling um her mom is wheelchair bound her dad is a doctor which always gives red flags in horror movies if the dad is a doctor and the child has an undiagnosed or misdiagnosed medical condition i'm like oh it's munchausen's isn't it or something like that and i'm always suspicious but she does end up like befriending anya and she does i started thinking it was going to be like a stalker film because like she does this thing where she sees that Anya and her friends are at this bar on the on Instagram and so she goes to the bar and then she like purposefully runs into them and they're like oh hey how are you and Anya immediately like hugs her is like it's good to see you and she's like oh I was supposed to meet somebody but I guess they're not here and they're like oh come hang out with us I was like that was a little creepy but like you know what she doesn't have any social skills yeah and also it's like she did you know like she did put where she was out on Facebook and everything. So, like, maybe she wanted. I don't know. Oh, Anya definitely wanted. Yeah, yeah. It's it's palpable, the, the, the sexual tension. Which I, okay, I will say, I started watching this movie while I was doing this week's artwork. And then I rewatched it and I missed a big part because eventually Anya, Anya has, like, a boyfriend. And there's this weird guy who's, like, very anti-religion in a kind of mean way. But honestly... 
Thelma takes it in a really good pace. It's just like, well, you know, everyone believes what they want to believe. It's all like she's really not overly zealous about her religion, like yeah. in public, at least. And uh, Anya invites her to come to this concert because they've been hanging out. Anya got her to drink some wine. And they like and she does start saying to Anya about some obvious child abuse. Yeah, because at one point she talked about she's like, yeah, when I was a little little girl, my dad hold held my hand open over uh, open flame, not long enough to let it really hurt, but just was like, this is what hell feels like all the time. And I was like, that's very not okay. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So like it's like so she's, but they're getting really close, and then Anya invites her to a, a ballet uh, recital with her mother. With her mother. And um, at first I was like, why is she getting, because I, I just see her run out of the concert. And I was like, what happened? And then, but really, Anya not only puts her hand on her leg, but starts moving up a little closer. It's very, I was like, ooh. And she's adventurous because her mom is like literally right there. But Anya, I mean, uh, Thelma starts to have like basically the beginnings of a seizure because the, the roof of the ballet kind of starts caving in, it looks like. Yeah, like she's got like a big like modern chandelier going and it starts swinging mm-hmm. which reminded me of Montefallo and Palmer Hall oh, during yeah. college night and Trummy but um, if you don't know about that listen to one of our many episodes where we get off topic with uh, Montevallo discussions but um, yeah so basically like not only are her seizures happening to her but things around her are getting affected by her seizures so it's not just her but they do have a steamy little makeout session, unlike the piano teacher where she just broke glass and put it in a pocket for later punishment. Um, she actually, like, has a nice little makeout session, but then, like, she breaks up and then she kind of gags. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, like, so overwhelming for her because this one, this is, like, the first real moment because there's, like, a little bit of intimacy, like, when they're conversing or they, like, sleep in the bed together. But it's innocent. They're not, like, touching each other or anything. So I think this is something she really, really wants. But she's at odds, too. You know what I really liked? The lead up to them kissing, like, them sleeping in the bed together. Oh, because she calls Anya to her at one point. Like, yeah. Anya shows up at her house and she's like, how did you, did you, why did you come when I was having a seizure? How did you know? And she was like. Didn't you text me? She's like, no. Basically, she just called her telepathically. But I love that they have this, these moments of like, you know, when you have a crush on somebody and you're really close to them, but like you're not ready to tell them yet. But like every like, if if you do end up sleeping next to them, even if you don't touch them, like you just have that palpable, energetic feeling between the two of you. It's like when you first like physically around someone you're attracted to like it's like very intimate but it's very innocent but he did a really good job of like emphasizing that because like she doesn't really touch her but like like she like imagines caressing her hair and she's just I'm like that is so sweet yeah and and just lovely and I feel bad because like obviously Thelma's never really gotten to experience any kind of romance before and so and Anya genuinely seems to care about her a lot but Anya gets hurt because then Thelma just kind of pieces out because she's freaked out because her parents aren't okay with her being gay and I don't know it's not really said that they've talked about that aspect of her personality or if like maybe there was a close call as a teenager and they made her pray out because you start to realize that this movie is basically Carrie, if Carrie was gay and had used her power 
kind of for good, kind of for bad. Yeah. But ends up a, a very, in my opinion, has a happy ending. Yeah. It's like Carrie if Carrie was gay and there was a happy ending. Oh, well, that's the thing. It's like it seems happy, but there's where I have some questions about the end, too. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what we'll get into the discussion. I like the happy ending. I know. That's just me, like, having to pick at, like, the script. Not in a bad way, just in a very curious way. So It is a curious one. But I do, like, when you when when she really starts figuring it out, is she has a series of tests and it's like a stress test but it's for her what she thinks is epilepsy and so they're like we need to basically reenact you having your seizures so you need to think about the things that are making you have these seizures because we need to scan your brain while you're having a seizure and so of course she imagines like every intimate moment she's had with Anya and she just remembers everything she's seen with Anya and then Anya disappears into the abyss basically like yeah just into thin air it's like she's sucked through her window and then the window replaces itself yeah so almost like another dimension or somewhere hidden which is the part that usually doesn't scare me usually i think other dimensions are a total fucking cop-out or unless they're used for like comedic purposes or like fun purposes like spider-verse kind of stuff or like like uh uh doctor strange those kind of things if it's like superhero dimensions, that's fine. But a horror movie does not scare me with dimensions, except for Annihilation. Yeah. This movie, I was like, ooh, because you don't really know where she's going. And then you understand why her parents were reacting the way they did. Because Thelma used to have a brother, but he's no more because uh, Thelma accidentally made him disappear. But accidentally. Yeah, and that's the thing. And also, Grandma has the same power because they. She goes visit. She ends up finding out her grandma's still alive because when she does these tests, they're like, "Yeah, your grandma like had seizures," or and she's like, "Wait, what?" She's like, "Yeah, she. I guess maybe she did before she died." And they're like, "Oh no, Grandma's still alive." And she's like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> so Grandma is like basically in a drug-induced coma, and they're like, "Yeah." So she's convinced she made her husband disappear. And then, uh, basically, she has cancer, and now your dad kind of keeps her like this, keeps her pretty much sedated. So this is all, like, big revelations to Thelma, too. So it's like a hereditary thing on top of accidentally killing mm-hmm. her brother. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like she purposely killed him. She basically, he was crying, and she was, like, six. And, like, she kind of imagines it being quiet, and so she, like, accidentally moves him from his crib to under the couch. And then in her sleep, not consciously, she accidentally moves him from the bathtub to under the frozen lake. And that's probably the, the saddest yeah, thing. That's the most shocking moment, I think, in the movie. Yeah, because you see a frozen baby under the ice. But she does try to, like, point out to where he is. But, I mean, it's too cold. It, it's really sad. That That's really sad. But also, she was a child and she didn't mean to do it. So I guess her parents have taken it upon themselves to prevent that from happening again by repressing all of her feelings. And so they told her doctors that she had a nervous breakdown and put her on a bunch of drugs. And, and she doesn't know about it. And I just had this realization that Thelma's kind of like Elsa in that way, too. <laughs> like, because <laughs> Elsa accidentally hurts Anna at the beginning of Frozen. They repress her for that. They do. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. You oh, my gosh. Just figure out something here? I don't know. 
Yeah, it's really sad. So anyways, so then she can't find Anya. Anya's not answering her phone. She doesn't know that she's accidentally disappeared Anya. Um, and she starts having like a nervous breakdown and then hurt. But instead of like, I would not have called my parents. Oh, Frozen was 2013, y'all. I would not have called my parents at this point. But she calls her parents because she doesn't have anywhere else to turn to. Oh, and even Anya's mom can't find her. And she's also, like, incredibly feeling guilty because she's, like, thinking if I hurt Anya, I could hurt someone else, too. Yeah. And she's also, like, she's feeling guilty about that. She's also feeling like I shouldn't have these feelings for Anya because her parents are assholes. And it's really sad. And so she calls her parents and is like, I need to come home. And, of course, they drug her. They're like, oh, finish your tea. I was like, don't drink the tea, Thelma. Yeah, they drug her. And that's what basically, she even starts to ask her dad because she realizes she's going to end up like her grandma. She's like, can I go? And her dad's like, yeah, no, I think you need to stay here. Yeah. And so basically, her mom and her dad start talking. They're like, well, all of this making her pray with her forehead against the wall on her knees, it's fucked up, um, isn't working. So we're going to have to take more drastic measures. The mom leads this conversation because dad, like, dad seems conflicted. And mom's like, hey, you know, she may be just too much of a danger and you're a good man, but this may be out of our hands. We can't handle it. So her dad literally gets, like, a fucking needle ready in the mm-hmm. next scene. You're like, okay, is this, like, is he going to euthanize her? Because this is what it feels like. Yeah. Also, like, oh, we forgot to say her mom, the reason that she's wheelchair-bound is because she attempted suicide after the baby died yeah. the brother died um so now anya i'm mean, not anya now thelma feels guilty for not just the death of her little brother but her mom's predicament and all this stuff but luckily when thelma's asleep she does her best work yeah so dad's out on the boat just chilling because i guess that's what you do before you plan to like humanely euthanize your child i guess or his head and so uh dad can you humanely euthanize a child i mean not really but in terms of this movie i think that's like his plan right he's like oh well this is for the best like you know she's only hurting people she's hurt she's two for two right now let's uh you know i'm sorry that's really dark but real in the reality of this movie um I mean, Anya's not dead. She's just disappeared. Yeah, but they don't really know that. Like, if, they, if they're assuming what happened to Anya is what happened to the baby, then maybe they're just, like, assuming the worst, too. And also, maybe. Grandma killed Grandpa. He disappeared and never resurfaced again. Yeah. So. You think Grandpa was, like, an asshole? I feel like that's what it's never said, but I feel like maybe Grandpa was abusive. Like, because why would she just want him to disappear? Also, it makes sense if they're in a, like, patriarchal, misogynistic, if their religion is very misogynistic, then yeah. maybe he was a misogynist. That's true. And uh, the dad's out on the lake, and he starts to catch fire. And so he, <laughs> he does what any logical person would do, which is jump into the water, which uh-huh. I, was what I would do, too. But every time he... But you can't breathe in the water, so... And every time he surfaces, he catches fire again. It's fucking brilliant. I was like, oh, burn, bigot, burn. Sorry, that's probably mean. But, like, also, he was going to murder his child instead of taking her to, like, a neurologist. Because they don't know that she's had all those tests done. Like, he could take her to a neurologist. He's a doctor. Like, why didn't he take her to a neurologist? I don't understand. Yeah, I guess they don't want their secret. Because I, you know what, this is This is one of the only things that I don't understand. How do you explain your baby freezing to death under a lake? 
I thought that too. That's probably my biggest question of the plot is like, wouldn't you tell people about the baby when the baby just froze to death? Yeah, exactly. Because he was so little. He's probably like less than six months old. He can't even mm-hmm. crawl on his own. So it's like, how did your baby even get out there in the first place? Like, I mean, sincerely, how do you explain something yeah. like that? I wonder if they blamed it on Thelma and said Thelma took him outside to play and just left him out there. Which is not fair because she really didn't. She didn't mean to kill him. Yeah. But that's what she she has this like feeling. And I think she kind of this happens. The dad burning happens while she's sleeping. But she goes out into the lake and there's this like scene that's kind of like a revelation where she swims in the lake and she sees where Anya is at. And it's like in their pool at the university. Mm -hmm. And she wakes up, and this was a very curious scene to me because it seems like she coughs up a bird. Like, she vomits a Yeah, bird she's been, like, um, choking on a bird. Yeah, and I'm like, does this bird, like, accidentally somehow get in her mouth, or did she create this bird out of her? But Ooh, but it's alive. It is. It flies away. So, I mean, obviously, she definitely is dead, so she definitely has the power of, like, being able to resurrect things at this mm-hmm. point. Or at least heal them. Yeah, so that's where she kind of, like, there's like this epitome and she goes and she says goodbye to her mother and her mother goes to stop her and when epiphany thank you and she goes her mom goes to stop her and she realizes when she does she's standing up yeah which is like such a good twist on like the carrie telekinesis story because it's like oh she she yeah her she may have killed her bigotty dad but you know what she's gonna use her powers for good now and then she goes and finds Anya. Yeah. And this is like the one part of the movie that like it's a little troubling to me. I don't really I don't think what Yo Kim and how he treats his female protagonist, he meant anything bad about it. But there's implications here that I'm kind of like a little curious about. So she has a vision. She's sitting there. She has a vision of Anya coming up and kissing her neck. And then mm-hmm. Anya does it seconds later. So I'm like, is it a premonition? Does she have premonitions or is it something she's willing into? I think she has premonitions because I think that she hasn't controlled anybody. She hasn't controlled how people she's affected them, if that makes sense. Like she didn't make her dad smoke a cigarette and go into the lake. She just caused him to catch fire. But he was of his own physical volition. Yeah. And that's something I wonder at the end of the film is like, so do we, so do we know for sure that Anya, I mean, obviously Anya's always been caring and nice towards Thelma, but it's like, she really in love with Thelma or is she under yes. Thelma's control? And if so, like, my thing is, did she, did she remember her time away or was it just erased from her memory? And she didn't realize she lost a couple of days, like. How's like because she's at, she's seems completely fine. She seems completely normal. But I was like, does she well, know to be fair, on? we skip ahead a few weeks, I think. Yeah. But still, I mean, like if you just disappeared into another realm for a couple days, I don't think it, it, a few weeks would be enough. I don't know. I mean, maybe she just got put on pause. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just more the story kind of writes itself to make you ask these questions. Like, is it really? See, I was one? very happily just like. Yay, happy lesbian romance. Good for the lesbians. Let's go, lesbians. Yay. But, and also, I mean, but they do plant the seeds of doubt in a few ways. So when we know that Anya does call, I mean, Thelma calls to Anya in the middle of the night. You brought that up. There. Yes. Suddenly she just appears. So was it like, did she will her to it? And at that point, does oh, Anya have, have any control over her body? But Anya did call Thelma. Yeah. When she 
came back from the abyss. So. She did. She did. You're right. She did call Thelma. But I think it's also her dad says that. And this is the really sad part. It's like the kick you when you're down part. He's like, maybe the girl doesn't love you. Maybe you're making her love you. And that's kind of like. And that Ooh. you're just, maybe she's just lonely and you're just lonely. Yeah. And that, that is kind of fucked up. But there, but those are the type of things. That I'm but like, also he's just kind of homophobic too. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's just the one kind of interesting thing. Yes. I want to believe in the, in the optimistic ending that they're really <laughs> in love. They're really together. But it's just the way that it's kind of written that I'm just like, hmm, there is some interesting implications here that you really, I think you could argue it either way. I guess. I'm hoping that they have a happy, because he has a very happy ending for the worst person in the world. Yeah. So I feel like the ending wouldn't be. It's really happy. She, She starts her photography business and she's successful and she's on her own and that's what she wants to do with her life yeah i do love that i was i don't want to say too much about the ending but it's also what her past partners what happened that's the kind of bittersweet part well yeah but the thing is like that's not what she wanted out of life yeah yeah that's true that's true i feel bad well it's a happy ending for the main characters maybe not a happy ending for everybody but i don't know i feel like like we Thelma had enough shit, and I feel like Anya, too. So I, I want them to be happy. I will say one other thing that's very, very interesting. Now, granted, Anya can absolutely 110% be bisexual, but she breaks up with her boyfriend. She breaks up with her boyfriend right before the ballet performance. So I'm like, that's very curious, too. No, I think she just broke up with him because she had feelings for Thelma, and she didn't want to cheat on him. I mean, no, I like that. I agree. I, I agree with that idea. I think that's very optimistic. I think the script could definitely be looked at that way. I'm still just like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to think about it, but I'm I'm gonna be optimistic. Yeah, well, Yo Kim, that's his writing is is very unique and really cool in that way. That him and Scale, I feel like there's layers to their mm-hmm. their script writing that you mm-hmm. really could kind of be like, well, we can look at the very blatant optimistic ending. Are there things in the script that we're like we can kind of at and be like hmm okay but yeah i i think i agree with you overall i do want to believe the more optimistic ending and when taylor watched it with me he also saw it as a more optimistic yeah. ending. although you, if you're just like in a bad mood and watch this movie you probably will think that like well thelma's just controlling everything now but thelma doesn't seem that confident in her powers to be controlling the whole i mean maybe she is subconsciously yeah. doing stuff but but she subconsciously loves Anya. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I think if she is controlling her, it's not a malicious thing. It is very subconsciously, because I'm sure she didn't mean to kill her brother in the least bit. It's no. literally why she was, I don't even think she really meant to kill her father. No. I think it was just a protection um thing that maybe subconsciously she saw the needle and knew. I think it actually, the the way it's filmed, it, it, it kind of hints at that, that she sees for her mother, the needle. So mm-hmm. I think it's a subconscious thing, but still i mean that's that's very violent and i did read i don't know if you read this katie you probably did that there was going to be more supernatural elements to the script originally and like possession and maybe witchcraft Mm -hmm. or something that yeah it was something about her like being a witch Mm -hmm. so i think that was i like the way they did i like how they kind of simplified the script in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways but i'd be very curious to see that film too i mean it's pretty obvious her parents think she's a witch but they don't say it Mm -hmm. so I like that because it's just like, okay, cool. Like, we don't need to pound it over the head or whatever. Like, it's a witch hunt. It is a witch hunt. But the bigots get burned instead of 
that. Although I wonder why she didn't burn her mom. Do you think it's just because like, like she felt bad that she feels that she was the reason that her mom was wheelchair bound? Or do you think that she just couldn't consciously do any harm? I think I I think both readings could be correct. The thing I keep coming back to is that you think it would be her mom she'd be more willing to harm mm-hmm. because obviously the mom we the flashback scenes we see with the baby brother is that her mom seems annoyed by her when she's a child she's and the mastermind of her harm and also you know even she confides to Anya that her dad is the one that she feels like she can talk to him about anything so it seems like the the relationship is better with her father. Um, so yeah, I, but he still didn't accept her for who she was. Yeah. And no, it's so, so sad, but she, she comes back again and again that she has a very healthy, what she perceives at the time as a healthy relationship with her father. So it's very interesting in retrospect, the father's the one that dies and the mother is the one that lives. But I think your reading of the guilt that she felt with the suicide attempt could be the reason she held her. Or maybe it was after her father's death that she's like, I don't want to do it. And maybe after her dad's death and the revelation with Anya in the pool, maybe she's like, I don't I don't want to do this. I want to be good. I want to do only good from here out. So maybe that's something too. Maybe. Unlike Carrie that was like, burn it out of the ground. But I don't really blame Carrie. Yeah. But yeah. So this is like a happy ending Carrie. Um, a gay Carrie. Happy ending gay Carrie. So I, I would recommend this movie. What about you, Britt? Yeah, I would recommend it. I, I mean, it's a short little watch. I really like that there was only like five central characters to really mm-hmm. kind of dissect and talk about. Um, and it's on Tubi. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. To watch it free on Tubi, I definitely recommend it. It is a little bit of a slow burn, but I like slow burn, so I enjoyed it. But if you're looking for action packed, this is much more reflective. Although there is body horror and there is like action. It's just, you know... A little more of a slow burn. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's definitely a slow burn. It's a very visual movie. There's a lot of really pretty, and I think it was shot in Cinescope. So it's like very visually um, beautiful. He has a lot of like imagery. So there's like definitely, there's a scene where a snake literally crawls into Thelma's mouth where she, she thinks she's high and she's not really. But there's like this snake crawling. That was so sad. Um, so yeah, a lot of really cool visual stuff going on. Acting's really, really good. So yeah, I, I think it's a cool movie. I think it is. Yeah, there's a lot of like biblical references with like the snake and all this kind of stuff. And it's very interesting. I really like this movie. What did you give it out of 10? Uh, I wavered between a 7.5 and an 8. I think I'd lean a little bit more towards the 8, but maybe like a 7.8, 7.9. I confidently give it an you 8. Confidently give it an 8. Okay. That was the only thing I was just like. That was my only real big flaw is that I was just like, ooh, I really want to believe in the optimistic part. I really want to believe in the optimism of Anya and Thelma's relationship, but there's just some things in the text that I'm just like, oh. But like I, like we talked about, I don't think Yo Kim would ever do anything on purpose. Yeah. So like Thelma, he consciously Yeah. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. So I rated it F for Fathers fire and freedom Ooh, i like that i couldn't choose so i had rated c for concerts cabernet and curiosity and then i had okay listen this first one's not gonna fly because like even though it says it's a central part of the plot i don't know it just sounds weird but 
bird's belly and babies. I almost said baby popsicle, and then it just was too mean. Because I felt really bad for that cute little chubby baby. It was really sad. I will say, trigger warning for baby harm. Even though it's not violent, you just see a baby under a frozen lake, and it looks like it's asleep. It's still really sad. So just, duh, triggers. Um, but I also had birds ballet and burgeoning sexuality. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I kind of like the F, though. Yeah. I was about to say, and incidentally, we're not going to release this right after Father's Day, too. Yeah. Happy Father's, <laughs> Happy Father's Day. I hope you accept your children for who they are. Yeah. Or else they might burn you alive. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Yes. Yes. Please. But, but do accept your children and love them. I was about to say, isn't it kind of a trope in horror that usually there's, like, parental issues, though? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's your first horror. I'm just kidding. I love you, Mom and Dad. But... <laughs> parent for sure yeah i would say like you know i've experienced not like throughout my entire life with friends and family members there are good parents and there are not good parents and there are some people walking around this world that are way too normal for the kind of upbringing they had because of those parents so you know just we all need therapy and there's no shame in that you can't choose your parents and that's not your fault but the main thing is the one rule i have for parents is Treat your children like you love them and accept them no matter what. Unless there may be a serial killer or yeah. like a molester, then you really need to correct that. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't ingrain abuse into their brain, it probably, they probably won't be inclined to do that. Yeah. No, every once in a while, there are just sociopathic forms. There are. It's not. But common, that's when you but... get them therapy and they learn how to cope. Yeah, and that's something I, I've, I've talked about this in the podcast. I won't go into very vivid detail, but I did read an article about a six-year-old that started doing things like hurting her stuffed animals, like cutting them up, and she tried to smother her infant sister with a pillow. <gasps> and mom and dad were like, yep, we're getting you on therapy. So she's like, she, at this point in this article, she's like a six or seven-year-old that was going to therapy two or three times a week because they were trying to curb those type of behaviors because they were seeing them early. And those are good parents. Because, yeah. again, you can't help it. Like, they can't help that that uh, Thelma has telekinesis. But, you know, they could have gotten her some therapy. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, asked her, why did you make your little brother disappear? Yeah, that's true. Rather than uh, maybe try to hurt yourself, harm yourself when you have another child still yeah. waiting at home well, with you. It pro- yeah. Well, and, the, you know, self-harm is such a thing that, like, it's not your fault. I don't think it's the mom's fault, but it is like, I don't know what her what her mental health state was. Maybe she had suicidal depression, you know. But the thing that gets me is that when the first disappearance happens with the, you know, the crib to the under the couch, it's obvious that like she's just not used to having another sibling and dealing with that noise. And like when I was two and I had to give him up my baby crib for my little brother, and I had to go to a big kid bed. I took a plastic saw to his forehead and tried to saw his forehead open. Listen, kids are fucked up, and they don't understand appropriateness until you explain it to them. And when my mom caught me doing that, and she said, why did you do that? And I told her, like, well, he has my crib, and I like my crib. You know, they talked to me. They explained to me, like, well, but you have a big girl bed, and, like, was it tough for me to understand? Absolutely. But you know what? I didn't try to 
you know, hurt him again after that. I, I did not hurt him, by the way. But that is like a story that my mom will not say. My sister clotheslined me when I was learning how to walk because she was jealous. Children yeah. are bitches to their siblings. But the main thing is, if you're a good parent, she should have talked to her about it instead of just being like, oh, why did you do that to your brother? It's like you can't treat one child better than the other one or else bad things do happen either psychologically or maybe physically depending on the situation i will say i'm sorry for the mother comment because it is very insensitive because i do know people who sometimes do try to harm themselves they're usually in such a headspace that they think their living children may be better off without them so yeah. i'm i do apologize i didn't mean for that comment to be as insensitive as i it don't sounds. think you meant it insensitively yeah. i just don't know it it could be that the mom i'm sure there are people who Maybe she wasn't even trying to actually hurt herself. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I they don't. It's a very brief moment, but I don't know. But the the main problem I had with the parents was that instead of like talking to Thelma as a child and like trying to figure out like why she did what she did, they just were like, "You shouldn't have done that." And I'm like, that's not really how you stop people from doing bad behaviors. You have to figure out why they're doing them. So. They can understand why they're doing them. Like, that's why therapy so good. Anyways, therapy would have fixed everything in yeah. Thelma. And she would still have a little brother. Yeah. It's kind of sad that, like, the brother was an integral part of the first plot. And then they're just like, oh, we're just going to freeze him in a lake. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, they went there. They 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 harmed a baby. So. Yeah. It isn't graphic, but it is really sad. So if you're, I was like, oh, poor baby. Um, I don't know. But. I guess that is Thelma. That is Thelma. Yeah, go watch it on TV, guys, and tell us what you think yeah. about it. Yeah. You think? I think I will say, Yoakum does seem to represent women in a. I feel as someone who identifies as a woman that in both of his films that I've seen, which both of the main characters are, uh, women. I do think that he is a surprisingly good male director and writer to represent. Um, a woman's perspective. I'm curious how people of the queer community feel about that representation. I don't, it feels very genuine to me, but I'm always curious how y'all feel about it. So please let us know. Or was, did you watch it and you were just like, this is nothing but tropes? Mm. It didn't seem tropey to me though. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, anyways, but so we'll be off next week. But then the next time we've decided that we're just going to dive right into a new movie. Yeah. And I, so we went through a couple and I was trying to do something like a little fun, but a little like summery and it's hot in the South. And so, um, I watched a movie the other week by one of, I think, I think yours as well. One of our favorite directors, you may have heard of him. We just did a big series based on his most famous film series. His name is Sam Raimi. And he did a, an honestly a little known movie with like the biggest star-studded cast I've ever seen, other than like that fucking Don't Look Up movie that I absolutely hated the other year that got too many Oscar nominations. Um, but this is a good one. It's called The Gift. It's a 2001 Sam Raimi movie. It's currently on Amazon Prime Video, and it stars Kate Blanchett as a southern woman in a southern Georgia town. I'm doing this because like not many people in the movie are actually southern so everyone talks like this which always gets me in the hot sweaty mood the summers in the south 
and she's like a she has um, a psychic gift and so she's like a tarot card reader um, and she's a widower and she's got two sons three sons and her husband recently died and so she's struggling to survive and she has a premonition about a recent disappearance and a body in the lake and um, she gets wrapped up in a murder plot and it also co-stars Giovanni Ribisi, uh, Greg Kinnear, Keanu Reeves, Hilary Swank, Katie Holmes, pre-Tom Cruise, and uh, Gary Cole. So it is absolutely star-studded. Yeah, it's one of those movies that just, you can, you just feel sweaty watching it because you can just, it's the, the summer you feel, heat. You can feel the humidity. I do want to say I lived in the South for 20 years before uh, Katie taught me a new term, which was swamp ass. I never heard that term swamp before. Swamp ass. And we didn't get swamp ass today because Ryan turned on the air, the fan for us. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like no swamp ass, no swamp ass in the recording booth. So. Right. We appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. We're in the recording booth today. And Ryan was like, we need to make sure you can't hear the fans so we don't come out of there like swamp ass monsters. Yeah. And then like he's like, you just got really, really red last time. And it's like, I just have a lot of pink in my skin. I'm OK. So. Also, I got really heated talking about homophobes, so that was probably part of it. Yeah, it's like Katie was about to pass out. I was like, open the door. Get her some air. Get her some air. The homophobes are killing me. (laughs) It's like, the homophobes are coming. No. Yeah, yeah, I guess we should start saying our good night. Yes. Be safe. Have a happy rest of Pride Month. Um, Rest up. Have a happy birthday, Brett. Oh, thank you so much. Have a happy Pride birthday, Katie. Thank you so much. In case you guys didn't know, our birthdays are each other's mm-hmm. half birthdays. We're exactly six months apart. Yes, one day we'll have a half birthday party on each of our birthdays. Yes. <laughs> By chance, what time were you born, Katie? I don't remember. Eight o'clock, I think, at, at night. Okay, I was born at eight in the morning. <gasps> yeah. That's weird. That's fun. That's very I think it was at, I think it was at night. I wouldn't say my time was around eight twenty two. I may be like around there. So eight twenty two eight. I'd have to ask my mom. Yeah. I'll remember. She was there. She didn't get any good drugs with me, so she definitely remembers. Poor thing. Uh, but I hope you don't go into labor this week and are in pain unless you just really want to see your kids. And yay. I mean, that's good too, but it's a lot of pain. Anyways. Happy Father's Day? Yeah, this will pass by the time this goes, but I hope you guys had a good Father's Day. You all had a good Father's Day, and I hope uh, 4th of July will be coming up right after this, the week after this airs, I think. So be safe on the 4th of July and have fun. And it's on a Tuesday, so don't fucking be shooting off neighbor, like fireworks until 2 in the morning because some of us will have to be up for work on yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And also they're bad for birds in the environment. So that's And dogs. I'll probably make sure Gizmos is at my parents' house, even if I'm not with him because he does not like fireworks at all. But he is braver at my parents' house because his BFF, Ginny, is there. No, sweet boy. Yes, Ginny is a good girl. She doesn't like them either, but she's bigger, and so they, they tough it out together. Um, But, yeah, be safe. We love you all. Thank you for listening, and, yeah. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, you know your pets. Um, But take yes. care of yourselves and each other. Be mm-hmm. safe and have a happy Pride Month. Uh, we love you so much. We look forward to you next time. Same spooky mm-hmm. time. Same spooky channel. Stay spooky, y'all. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Mwah. Mwah. Mwah.
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.